Hello and welcome to this episode of Bite Size Medicine. This is a continuation of diseases of small intestine. Let's focus a bit on carcinoid syndrome. What is the most common location of carcinoid tumor? ileum and appendix. Why carcinoid tumor does not manifest symptoms of carcinoid syndrome initially, that's before the metastasis. Because prior to metastasis, most of the secreted uh, serotonin undergoes first-pass hepatic metabolism. Question one about a patient with cutaneous flushing, diarrhea, and abdominal cramps. What you expect to see if cardiac auscultation is abnormal? Symptoms of right-sided valvular lesions, such as tricuspid regurgitation, that manifests as a holocystoric murmur that is accentuated by inspiration and is best heard at the lower left sternal border. Or it could be that of pulmonic regurgitation, which is the rarest form of valvular disease. Question 2 of this case of carcinoid syndrome. What skin lesions could be expected in patients with carcinoid syndrome? As part of the syndrome itself, we expect cutaneous flushing and venous phalangiectasias. As part of the niacin deficiency, we could have dermatitis of pellagra. The four Ds of pellagra, you remember, diarrhea, dementia, dermatitis, and death. What is the mechanism of pellagra in this patient with cutaneous flushing diarrhea and wheezing? Tryptophan is a precursor to both niacin and serotonin, and it is overused to produce serotonin. What is the test to order? Urine levels of serotonin metabolites, which is 5-HIAA. What are the initial and confirmatory or follow-up tests? Of course, the urinary level of 5-HIAA, 5-hydroxyindoleacetic acid, is the best initial test, while CT or 100-octreotide scan are to follow up to localize the tumor. What's the treatment? Octreotide and surgical resection. What symptoms of heart failure is possible in a patient with symptoms of carcinoid syndrome? Symptoms of right-sided heart failure, including ascites and peripheral edema. What's the blood pressure difference between carcinoid syndrome and pheochromocytoma? Remember, both of them could have episodic manifestations, including flushing. Carcinoids are associated with diarrhea and asthma-like episodes and dropped blood pressure, while pheo has hypertensive episodes with headache. Why carcinoid syndrome doesn't cause left-sided heart disease? In other words, why bronchial carcinoids are less commonly associated with carcinoid syndrome than GI metastatic carcinoids? Or you can ask the third question with the same answer. Why GI carcinoids without liver metastasis don't manifest the syndrome of carcinoid syndrome symptoms? The answer to all questions is one. This serotonin gets metabolized by lungs, pulmonary vascular, endothelial monoamine oxidase. That results in bronchial carcinoids not manifesting carcinoid syndrome symptoms or why carcinoid syndrome doesn't affect left side of. Also, the same metabolite, same metabolism happens by first-pass metabolism in the liver. And therefore, if carcinoids don't have liver metastasis to bypass the first-pass metabolism in the liver, they would also not show the symptoms of carcinoid syndrome. Put it simple, remember, if the tumor is in the liver, it doesn't undergo first-pass metabolism through the portal system into the liver. It releases serotonin directly to the blood. The other point is always remember, we have bronchial carcinoids where a carcinoid tumor arises from the lung directly and then we have metastasis of carcinoid syndrome to the lungs, and these are two different entities. Okay, enough on carcinoid syndrome. Let's discuss a bit irritable bowel syndrome. 
Define the epidemiology of irritable bowel syndrome, in other words, in what groups it's more common. It's a functional disorder more common in women in their 20s to 30s, often with comorbid psychiatric disorders. The stress usually worsens the symptoms. What are the symptoms? Patient has non-alarm abdominal pain. In other words, patients with IBS doesn't have GI alarm symptoms, such as pain that awakens the patient from sleep, vomiting, significant weight loss, or other constitutional symptoms. The symptoms of IBS include what then? They are mainly abdominal pain that's relieved by bowel movement, possible alteration or alternating diarrhea and constipation, and finally, abdominal distension, flatulence, tenacity, or mucus in the stool. True or false, physical exam is unremarkable in IBS. That's true. What is the timing requirement for diagnosis of IBS based on Rome 3 diagnostic criteria? At least three days in three months with episodic abdominal discomfort and either two of the three. The abdominal pain that's relieved by defecation is associated with change in stool frequency or consistency and it's associated with change in stool appearance. What conditions need to be ruled out when we have the diagnosis of IBS? First, the organic conditions such as IBD and second, its most common comorbid condition which is celiac disease. What are the confirmatory tests to order for IBS? That's in addition to the clinical Rome 3 criteria. You can order CBC to rule out IDA, iron deficiency anemia. You can order inflammatory markers to rule out IBD. You can rule out other conditions associated with bloating and flatulence such as Giardia with stool antigen testing. And finally, never forget celiac serologies like IgA and ITTG. What are the considerations for the treatment of IBS? One is psychosocial issue given the comorbid conditions. The other is dietary modification. The third consideration is management of the complications. And the fourth consideration is to figure out if the patient has indication for pharmacologic treatment. What are the psychosocial measures? Well-established patient-physician interaction and advice on lifestyle modification, including the diet. So what is the recommended diet? Avoidance of the FODMAP diet, F-O-D-M-A-P. What do this letters in the acronym stand for. F for fermentable food, O for oligosaccharides, D for disaccharides or disaccharides, M for monosaccharides, A for and, and P for polyols. So you probably just need to remember fermentables and polyols plus a whole bunch of saccharides, oligo, D or monosaccharides. Can you give examples of food that contain oligosaccharides? Wheat, barley, rye, onion, leek, garlic, peas, fennel, pistachio, cashew, legumes. What about disaccharides? Milk that contains lactose and other milk products such as ice cream, yogurt, custard. What about monosaccharides? Uh, any fruit that contains free fructose such as apples, pear, mangoes, cherries, etc. How about polyols containing food? Again, apple, apricot, cherries, nectarines, and many fruits contain polyols. What's the management for the mild to moderate uh, constipation dominant IBS? Psyllium. What's the next step? If psyllium fails, you can use osmotic laxatives such as polyethylene glycol. If constipation IBS is resistant to initial management, what is the next step? We use lubiprostone or linacoltide. What's the pharma pharmacological management for diarrhea dominant IBS? 
use antidiarrheals first, and then if no response, we can use bile acid sequestrants. What are the general indications for pharmacologic treatment in IBS? If it is severe or the patients fail the initial treatment. Remember, initial treatment includes avoidance of gas-producing foods of uh, FODMAP as well as fiber dietary supplements with psyllium. Again, as we mentioned, for the more common type, which is constipation-dominant IBS. Okay, what we do for the possible two common complications. One common complication is anal fissure secondary to chronic constipation. In addition to the management of constipation, as we mentioned, psyllium, osmotic laxatives, and lubiprostone, we can advise topical anesthetics and vasodilators for the fissure itself. The other complication is abdominal pain that we can uh, prescribe antispasmodics. And if there is no response, we can even go for antidepressants for the severe abdominal pain or even SSRIs. Thank you. This finishes our discussion of carcinoid syndrome as well as irritable bowel syndrome.